As we prepare to hear the message, let's say a prayer together as we read from the Word. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the Scriptures are read and your Word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Today's scripture is from Mark, chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locust and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church family. It is good to be with you in person for those who are here as worship team and uh, virtually for those in your homes. I pray the blessing and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ upon you as we turn the page to a new year and as we look forward to what the Lord may have in store for us in 2021, we want to always focus our attention on His Word and His hope. Amen. And so this morning, as we've heard a very familiar portion of Scripture, I trust that perhaps the Lord might help me to help you to hear uh, the freshness, the newness of the Word of God for us. I don't know if you've experienced this in your own life, but in my experience, there's been times we have come back to familiar portions of Scripture, and the Lord has had a, an epiphany for me, a revelation for me, a new insight for me. And so this morning, as we preach, as I preach um, in this season of Epiphany, I invite you to open your hearts and your minds to a fresh insight, a new revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ through His Word and by His Spirit. May He speak to us and may He minister to our hearts and lives this morning. The season of Epiphany in which we now enter as um, the church is a season that is about revelation. It is about insight. It is about making things known. In the Christian calendar, we derive this idea of epiphany from the Magi that visited Jesus. And there they worshipped Him, making known that they had insight into who He was. And there's a, a sense in which our worship does the same thing. Our worship of the Jesus we waited for through Advent and celebrated at Christmas time makes Him known to the world. But there's also a part of Epiphany that has to do with us seeing Jesus for who He is. 
Many years ago, there was a bunch of scholars who studied the historical Jesus, trying to recover from historical documents and history a more accurate perspective of Jesus. And in their pursuit of studying these historical documents, one of these scholars, Albert Schweitzer, commented, he said, when historical Jesus scholars look down into the deep well of the evidence for Jesus, they tend to see a Jesus that looks a lot like themselves. And there's a sense in which in the season of Epiphany, we acknowledge that perhaps sometimes we want a Jesus that fits our lives. We perhaps want to see a Jesus that meets the needs we deem important. Perhaps our desire is to experience a Jesus that is personal to us in such a way that it might actually rob us from who He is revealed as. I don't think there's a, uh, there's a way to get beyond the desires we have and sometimes the way in which we put this upon the Lord. I don't think it's possible to kind of be bias-free, if you will, in our pursuit of wanting perhaps God to look a certain way, Jesus to be a certain kind of Savior. But I want to suggest to you that we must have the ongoing desire, the humble posture, the openness to having God speak to us and reveal Himself to us. Is it possible for us to know Jesus? Absolutely. Is it possible of us to grow in our understanding of who He is and what He wants to do in our lives and through our lives? Absolutely. And the humble posture in this season of Epiphany beckons us to bow our knees as the Magi did and to look upon who He is as He is made known to us through Scripture. Amen? What kind of Jesus do we see in our text? What kind of Messiah is revealed to us? The beginning of the Gospel of Mark would reveal that even John the Baptist, the one who is described as the predecessor, the the forerunner, the precursor to the Messiah, the one who in the text uh, who says, his sandals I'm not worthy to untie stands in need of a revelation of an epiphany and knowing that exceeds his own expectations, hopes, and dreams. I think that as we begin this new year, it's a good posture to take. It's a good place to begin to become open to how God may want to make himself known to us. But it begins with an honest kind of confession. It begins with a sense in which we say, sometimes we have expected you to be something that you are not. Sometimes we have placed upon you something that we would like, but you are so much more than even our expectations. And there's such a wonderful grace and hope in knowing that Jesus is more than we would want him to be for us. There's such a great hope from Scripture that tells us the one that John prepares the way is more than John thought. He is more than Israel expected. And because of that, we as all creation have this great hope in a God who is far more than we expect, but he is so much what we need. And so what kind of Jesus does the text show us? See, what kind of Messiah do we see in the Scripture? 
Well, simply put, he is the one that Israel was waiting for but failed to receive. The opening of the Gospel of Mark alerts us to the fact that Jesus Christ is the advent of good news, that he is the one whom the people had been longing for for centuries. The time of waiting is over. <laughs> the fulfillment of hopes and prophecies is now here. And John the Baptist is the perfect prophet to kind of usher in this messianic age. He is perfect for a few reasons. One, because he looks like Elijah. And according to the expectations of Israel, the messianic age, the Messiah will not arrive until Elijah reappears. And in fact, later in the Gospel of Mark, the disciples corner Jesus and they say, tell us about this whole, why does Elijah have to come back? And Jesus says to them, Elijah has already returned, in all likelihood referring to John the Baptist who looks like the prophet who is to come before the Messiah would return. Israel had, uh, you know, expected and waited and longed for the Messiah. And here comes John, the second Elijah. He looks like Elijah. He talks like Elijah. In fact, his clothing represents the very clothing that according to 2 Kings, Elijah wore. He protested against powers like Elijah did and would pay with his life for that which was true. He did everything to fulfill, to stand before the people and say, what God has promised he is now bringing to pass. And perhaps we all can take a moment to gasp at the reality that even though John incarnates the performance of prophecy to the people of God, they generally fail to see that he is the Messiah. Not only is John this kind of Elijah, the second Elijah, but John calls the people out into the wilderness. You see, the wilderness in the Bible has very deep, significant meaning. It is a place of preparation. It is a place where Jesus names his, or God names his people as his own. But it is also a place that signifies liberation from enslavement. If you remember the Old Testament narrative, you remember that Israel or the Hebrew people were set free from enslavement from Egypt and they were led through the waters into the wilderness, a place that became significant to helping the people live free from their identities as slaves and to become the people of God. And it is interesting to us when we study the scripture that John invites the people from Jerusalem and all Judea to come and meet the God who names them again in the wilderness. It is in this location that Israel should be attentive to the reality that the God who liberated their ancestors now in Jesus Christ was liberating the people again. Get this, it gets so much more fun. <laughs> Not only does John invite them into the wilderness, a place that signifies liberation, but John invites them to cross through the waters of the Jordan. I know some of you are thinking right now, I remember that. I remember when the people of God, led by the priest, crossed through the waters into the land of promise. It is a phenomenal image in Joshua when we read in the Old Testament of God 
God's faithfulness and his promise. And here again, like a second Elijah, John calls the people not only out into the place of liberation, but he calls the people into the waters that signifies the presence of God to bring them into his promise and to meet there this Jesus, this Savior, this God in flesh. I think some of you are saying amen right now. I am blessed. Uh, but still, uh, Israel's religious leaders, as Mark's gospel will unfold and as the other gospels would bear witness, fail to receive the one whom John so adequately had prepared the way for. I just want to pause for a moment and, and, and kind of just engage this idea with you that, that sometimes we may miss the one who has already come because we are waiting for someone else. Sometimes we may miss that the significance of the, the work of Christ and the gift of His Spirit because we would rather have a different Jesus. You know what? Uh, we can have the prophetic words spoken. We can be invited into this great narrative that tells us that God has had a plan and a purpose for his people from the beginning. But, but unless we are humble of heart and, and willing to recognize that sometimes God needs to give us a, a perspective that goes beyond our expectations. What would it look like if in this year ahead we would become open to the revelation of God in Jesus Christ by praying a prayer every day during the season of Epiphany? Lord, open my eyes that I may see your presence in this world. Open my eyes that I may see who you are. Open my eyes in a world that says right now, look at everything that is burning and wrong and dysfunctional and terrible and let me see the hope of the Messiah in Jesus Christ who has come into this world to save it. Not only is he the one that Israel was waiting for but failed to receive, he is the one who is fulfilling what Israel failed to do. Ah, a light unto the nations. A people belonging unto God. A people who would make known the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. It's fascinating, isn't it? Who is this Jesus we encounter in the text? Because he's the one that subjects himself to the ministry of John the Baptist. Even though he did not have to. <laughs> have you ever, if you think theologically about the text, kind of say, well, why would Jesus be baptized in John's baptism, which is for the forgiveness of the sins, when he was without sin? Why would Jesus step in to the waters that represents the, 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 the purification of the people, if you will, the, the forgiveness of their, their wrongdoing, their rebellion, their resistance to the ways of God? In fact, in, in Matthew's gospel, when, when John does what he does here, and he says, you know, oh, 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 not me. I can't do this. You're, 
you're, you're, you're something special. I am not worthy. Jesus would say, it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. There's a sense in which when Jesus steps into the water, he's not stepping into the water to be forgiven from any sins that he may have, but he steps into the water so that we may together as his people, as Israel, be restored to God. He joins the people in the water so that the people may join him before God and live into the fulfillment of his promise. Jesus, in stepping into the waters, is making a new way <laughs> where there was not a way before. Jesus, in stepping into the Jordan and being baptized, is saying that I'm joining you in the liberation that you long for. I don't know what you think about your own baptism, but let me give you a, another nuanced lens for it. Our baptism is, is, is sometimes best understood as receiving the hope that comes from God through Jesus Christ that says you do not have to live as somebody enslaved to sin or your past or your history, but because Jesus joins us in this baptism, he is able to bring us through the waters and into the fulfillment of God's plan and promise for our lives. Our baptism says that we see here a Jesus that joins us even at our worst. You know, what kind of Jesus do we see in this text? We see a Jesus that uh, is not afraid to be counted with sinful people. <laughs> Can I get a hallelujah? So that sinful people may be counted with him. He is not afraid to be associated with the, the baptism of John the Baptist because he will not be tainted by sin, but his very presence, who he is, would sanctify the waters of the Jordan and the people of God towards his purposes. You see, he becomes like us so that we may become like him. He's the God who steps into our world to redeem and to save and to make whole and new. And we as Christians sometimes struggle to believe what Jesus said about his disciples. We must love as he loved. We must live as he lived because the same spirit that descends upon him in the theophany of God's affirming love is the spirit that he breathes into us so that we too may hear the words of God. These are my children whom I love. In them I am well pleased. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When is the last time that you were thinking about, you know, I, I, I don't really know, you know, I haven't been as good as I needed to be. You know, I, you know, I, 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 I've kind of got some stuff going on, Stu. This, this past year has kind of wrecked some good habits and it has kind of, brought me to a place of weakness and, and maybe even 
allowed some things to happen that I know I shouldn't have happened. Uh, Stu, you, you don't understand how, how significant my past is and what I've been through and what I've suffered uh, in this past year. I, I just don't know. I just don't know if I'm loved of God anymore. I, I just don't know if, if Jesus is enough of a Savior for me, Stu. I, I, I don't know when I look at how hostile people are, how violent people are, how divided people are, not only outside the church, but in the church, I'm starting to kind of just wonder. I'm just kind of starting to ask myself, who is this Jesus that we see and speak about and, and sing about? Who is this Messiah? Let me say this to you, my friends, as a prophetic word in a time like this. He is the same Jesus who stepped into the waters of baptism, John the Baptist, and fulfilled all that God has said he would. And he is the same Jesus today that is able to save and to redeem and to liberate and to restore this world, beginning with you and me, beginning with you and me. I've often said, wasted pain is the worst kind of pain. If by our own design or because of the actions of others, we have found ourselves feeling unworthy, I, I want you to to, to, to learn from it along with me. I want you to, to reach out and, and, and in this very moment as I bring this sermon to a closing, open your heart and mind to the one who steps into the waters with us. The one that's not afraid, not, not unwilling to be associated with, with rebellious Israel. The one who's not afraid to allow the woman who has been ritually unclean for 12 years to reach out and touch the hem of his garment. The, the one who, who puts his hands on the eyes of the blind and the one who encounters the leper, the, the one who says, I have come for those who most need me. Do you need Jesus today? Uh, do you need him today? Do you need him in this year that is uncertain that we are kind of hoping will be better than 2020? You better say hallelujah to that. I, uh, when I was a youth pastor a few years ago, uh, <laughs> uh, well, maybe many years ago now, I was uh, helping set up, which is what youth pastors do a lot of, at least when I was one, you know, setting up for events. And um, I was helping to get set up for a big event that our church was going to have that evening. I think we were hosting uh, the Soweto Children's Choir. And so we had to bring out more chairs, and it was a large church. You see about, you know, 1,200 people, that kind of thing. And, and so we were working away, and, and as I was helping and and, you know, moving these chairs, a gentleman walked in uh, off the street. And by the looks of him, I knew that he looked like he was, he was in need. Um, he, he, he kind of looked around, looked around, and then talked to a couple of the people that were there, and then they pointed him to the pastor. You know, sometimes I wish that people would just kind of answer themselves and help people. But they didn't do that for me that day. They said, he's the guy you need to speak to. 
And so I, I, uh, I you know, I, I was busy and my mind wasn't in the right place. And, and I wasn't really wanting to interrupt what I was doing because I wanted to get home and I wanted to have supper, you know, all those kinds of things. But the gentleman came to me and, and this was his story. He said to me, he said, hey, um, I'm actually serving a prison sentence right now. And I'm on this program where, where I get, uh, I go and do my time over the weekends. I didn't ever hear of that. And he said, you know, just before I go in, I, I was wondering if, uh, if maybe you guys have something for me to eat. Uh, and I said, oh, I, we don't, you know, we don't have anything here. And, and he was kind of sensing that I didn't really want to help him. And he said, that's okay. But, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit kind of just, you know, flicks your ear. And I knew, I knew I had to do something. I said to him, just a minute. And I talked to some people. I said, I'm just going to take this gentleman for something to eat. And, and we went and he got in my car. And as he sat next to me and we started driving, I realized, man, I don't know who this guy is. What on earth am I doing? Uh, you know, I started to kind of look over to him because he was fiddling with his pockets and I was getting nervous. <laughs> And I was starting to, in my mind, think, if he pulls something, I'm jumping out of the car. But I drove him to a very, very blessed, holy place. I, I took him to Wendy's. And as we got into the parking lot and as we got out, he, he said to me, he said, I don't want to go inside. He says, I'm going to be inside the whole weekend. You kind of get that, right? <laughs> It was a nice enough summer day. He says, can we just sit outside? So I said, sure. But the Wendy's we went to, uh, you know, uh, didn't have like outdoor patio space. And so we sat right on the curb at the drive-thru. And as we sat there, I, you know, I got him something to eat. We were sitting and he's enjoying uh, his smokes. <laughs> Church people started to come through the drive-thru, you know. And, and I, I'll never forget, uh, I think it was Sister Eccles, this is, you know, referred to Sister Eccles, she, she kind of looked out the window, and I'm sure in her mind she must have thought, what is our pastor sitting on the curb <laughs> smoking <laughs> at a Wendy's? And I remember as I sat there, I felt a little bit uncomfortable, you know, I kind of started to say to myself, it's probably not the right thing I've done, <laughs> uh, I probably should not be here. And yet, as I think back to this particular experience with this man who the Lord brought my way, have you ever noticed how, how Jesus allowed himself to be interrupted? Have you ever noticed how many times he allows somebody else to set the agenda for, for, for his life? <laughs> and in that moment, the Lord taught me so much, but as I think back to that, I, I realize that sometimes... The one who's not afraid to associate with those that others don't want to associate with calls us to not do that. To not be that. Our holiness won't get tainted by being in the world because we belong to the one who has come to make us his. You want to know the love of God that is spoken at Jesus' baptism? It is spoken over you. 
But just like John, it is spoken not only to us. It is to be spoken to all. The Jesus that we see in this particular text has come to renew and to restore and to reconcile everyone unto himself. I want to live into a bigger story. I want my Christianity to be greater than my own needs and wants. I want to follow a Jesus that uh, undoubtedly cares about me, but has come that all men and women may have life. And as we begin Epiphany, as we begin this series of sermons in the Gospels, in Mark and then in John and then back to Mark over the next several weeks, I, I pray that you would come with that humility of heart. What is the Lord wanting to teach you and me in this year that lays ahead? Would you bow your heads wherever you may find yourself this morning? And maybe the Lord has spoken to you through His Word. Maybe you are somebody that says, you know, Stu, I, I feel like I need to be washed again. <laughs> I need to enter the waters. I don't feel very good about myself. Uh, Stu, maybe, maybe um, I, I've, just, I, I've just been too afraid to allow the Spirit to lead me, to allow God to Give me a bigger vision for life than I dare to imagine he wants. Or maybe you're somebody here that just crying out, I, I just need to know that I'm loved. He's all those things to us and so much more. And so, Jesus, thank you. You came in the way that you did because we can't save ourselves. And heaven knows we try. Some of us work real hard at trying to please you, and sometimes we still fall short. Some of us are just doubting whether we'll ever be who you want us to be. And your word today is a word that reminds us that you are the one that comes to be with us so that we may have hope. So I pray that you would renew our hope in you in this new season, in this new year. That we would stand before you and recognize that you alone and what you say about us is defining and ultimate. That you would renew within us a steadfast spirit to be faithful to your calling. That you would uh, sanctify your church through the presence of your Holy Spirit. That you would bring hope to those who need hope today. Beginning with me. Beginning with me. Father, I pray that... Um, we would learn from the here that is gone that there are some things that are just not that important. That there are some things that just don't, they should never return 
to the importance they had in our lives so that we would be the people called of you to follow you and meet you out in the wilderness. This has felt like a dry place for many. This has felt like a hard place for many. This is what the wilderness has always been and felt like, at least biblically speaking, Father. But we thank you for your word that reminds us that you are there to meet us wherever we may find ourselves, and particularly in the dry places. May someone receive hope today. Be encouraged today. Step away from those negative thoughts and, 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 and condemning thoughts that comes from the evil one and embrace the words that come from Scripture that in Christ we are loved of God. We become His delight. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage you as I close uh, before I offer a word of benediction that in the weeks ahead, uh, as we as a church continue to faithfully worship together, that you would avail yourself to the opportunities uh, to participate in Bible studies, uh, to participate in some of the small group opportunities that we will be presenting as a church. Uh, I want to challenge you uh, at the beginning of this new year uh, that we would prioritize communion with God, that we would prioritize being in His presence and hearing His Word. I know that this would heal much fruit in this particular season of life. Receive now this word of Scripture as blessing and benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.